1: Arsenal of Phil, Marca Mesut of Phil, Corner, Llegó el gol de Olivier Giroud,
2: Marca el Arsenal, Marca Olivier Giroud, Gol de los Gunners. This is Arscast Extra. Hello there, welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunner
1: Blog. Goodly morning to you. Goodly morning. How is your, how is your morning? How's your weekend? Ah, uh, lovely! Yes, it's uh, it's very bright and very sunny over in North London this morning. Yeah. So that's that's a, g- a good start to the week, certainly. Yeah, I like sun? sun.
2: Yeah, grand, grand. Getting ready for my holiday. I'm going on holidays on Wednesday.
1: Oh, very exciting! Yeah. Uh, yeah, where are you off to? Remind me. Uh, just off to
2: uh, to Spain for a week on the mm. beach. Switch off completely. So I should tell people from the start there is going to be no Arscast Extra next week, unless something extraordinary happens and we kind of have to. Okay. But otherwise, I'm, you know, I hope people will allow me just take a week off. What would qualify as extraordinary, just so we're all aware? Something like uh, signing, perhaps signing a striker, signing okay. a striker that will play for us this season. Signing a striker that could, in fact get us goals to win us things, signing a striker of some repute, an established striker of some kind or another player who might add to our squad in some way. That would be worthy of discussion from my from my beach location. Well, I, I should think you're pretty safe. I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> because I think, as we know, uh, signing the Japan international, Takuma Asano, yes. that's it. That's it. What a wonderful phrase. Yeah, people have been doing that. It really does work very well, doesn't it? (laughs) It does. If people people don't know what we're talking about, it it works with this song.
1: What a wonderful. almost hope his his career pans out and he makes it Arsenal just so we can hear that ringing around the Emirates it would be pretty amazing wouldn't it everyone singing from the Lion King brilliant get the cast of the West End show down to join in (laughs) bolster the ranks of the fans
2: it would require some some coordination I think Mm. um because yeah it's not like uh not like your archetypal football song there's uh there's uh rhythm and meter and uh, melody and all those kind of things. But, uh, yeah, it would be funny.
1: Oh, I think we could manage it. I yeah. think we'll pull it together.
2: So, look, uh, yeah, seeing as we're on this guy and the checkbook is obviously closed and this is the last transfer that we're
1: ever going to do, basically. Yes, this is it. It's, this is the end of tra- – This Arsene Wenger's completed transfers now.
2: Yeah, 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 exactly. He's coming to the end of his career and he's just going, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to banter the shit out of this. He's been well, hanging but, but, but. out with Jenks.
1: The real question is, does this mean this is his last season? If he's pushed the boat out to land Takuma Asano, is it a sure sign that surely his retirement's around the corner? I mean... Absolutely. Short-termism all the way. He's going to abdicate any minute now. Prince Charles is going to take over at
2: last. (laughs) He's been waiting so long. Yeah. Bless him. Well, so look, what, what do you think? What do you think? I mean, a couple of days ago, nobody from, uh, from this side of the world, really, unless you're a J-League expert, had ever heard of Takuma Asano. And mm. then the stories came and, uh, you know, when, when that story broke, I was looking at it, uh, and I was talking to Andrew Allen about it and we were going, will we, will we cover it? Because it feels like, feels like this could be actually Something that we would do, uh, yeah. like an unknown Japanese striker who won't play for us uh, for at least a season. Um, we had a look at the journalist who was uh, who was breaking the story uh, on Twitter, and he seemed you know quite credible. And it really did feel like all of all of a sudden this is this is probably going to be a thing. Um, it is it is quite Arsenal in its way.
1: It's extremely Arsenal. Awesome. It's extremely awesome, sorry, I thought there was gonna be more to that sentence, but <laughs> No, no, no. It's it's reminiscent of uh it's a little reminiscent of two thousand eleven, isn't it? And the uh everyone was waiting for the replacements for Sam and says Fabrias and Joel Campbell was acquired. Oh, do you think? I think well, that's only a bit in a terms st- of the profile of the player, I guess. But,
2: yeah, I think that's uh, a bit of a stretch because I think, you know, that, at that point we knew Fabregas and Nasri were going to leave and given how important they were, we spent a lot of time trying to sign Joel Campbell who, who eventually didn't play for us for three or four years. Mm. Uh, and I think we were in much more difficult shape back then than we are now. And the, the Joel Campbell thing seemed to be a bit of a saga, didn't it? Because he had about seven agents, but... You know, this time around, it seems it's quite efficient.
1: Yeah, very efficient. I mean, that's the big difference. We, that story that you alluded to about, you know, Sano saying Arsenal were interested was, what, a matter of days ago? Yeah. Uh, and now there he is all over arsenal.com. Uh, but I think th- the the comparison's more in the fact that I don't think this is a guy who's going to play for the first time, a uh, first time, first team anytime soon. Right. Yeah. Um, Certainly because he's probably quite unlikely to qualify for a work permit, isn't he, from what from what I understand?
2: Yeah, he's only played four internationals for Japan. I don't think the transfer fee um, qualifies him for a visa. And I think probably, given what Arsene Wenger said, um, that he is very much one for the future, it doesn't sound like he's assigning being made for next season in any no, way, no. that they've identified him as some kind of talent, that, that guy who's got potential, let's bring him in, uh, let's loan him out, let him develop, I don't know where. I wonder where they're going to loan him to. Where?
1: Well, where there was talk uh, in, the, in the bits and bobs that I've read around him that there was interest from him uh, from clubs in Germany, potentially. Okay. So that's a possibility, I imagine. I, I don't think it's a situation where they'd look to loan him somewhere like you know spain until he can get citizenship or anything like that i think it would just be a question of waiting till he has the requisite amount of japan caps to yep. qualify uh but yeah i think there had been some interest from the bundesliga so that could be uh and the netherlands i think so maybe one of those two countries could be one to watch right right okay well that'd be good for him um, 21 years of age big move um, I mean, he's not young, 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 is he? 21? No. That's the thing. It's not someone who's 15 or 16 coming over, so he can't be too far away.
2: No. No. Um, and then people will say, well, if he is 21 and this is the way that, you know, his career is going, does that say something about him? But, you know, we spoke about it last week, didn't we? The players who, um, there's no one path to. To becoming a good player in your twenties, you can be a you can be a whiz kid. You can start like someone like Sask Fabregas and be brilliant at seventeen, uh, or you can be like you know Lauren Koscielny, uh, Didier Drogba. I think you mentioned last week guys who didn't really play first team uh, top flight football until they were in their almost mid twenties twenty 23, 24. And who then develop into top class players. So it's not, uh, there's no prescribed way of doing it. So I,
1: I don't see any real problem with this signing. No, I mean, I think, you know, I understood the reaction because obviously I think fans are probably feeling a bit frustrated after the way the, the Jamie Vardy saga mm. turned out. Uh, but this kind of business, this kind of recruitment of young players who could potentially contribute to our future is ongoing isn't it it happens all the time yeah. and that agenda doesn't change really depending on what's happening in the first team Mm. you know it's always important to try and get in some young players with potential and they are gambles they're always gambles but those kinds of gambles you know clubs like Chelsea are are doing very well out of gambles like this you know either the player makes it and is able to contribute to the first team or perhaps he develops and you sell him on for a profit Mm. there's really very little harm done by spending a few million quid on a a young guy who was voted the J-League's, you know, rookie of the year last in 2015. So he's clearly got some something mm. about him.
2: All right. Yeah. I mean, but then people get really angry because, well, why are you signing this guy? And you're not signing the the striker that we need, the world class striker that we need. And, you know, I kind of I understand it to a certain extent, but um, yeah, it's a bit
1: difficult, isn't it? It is, and I don't think one prohibits the other. Of course, Um, of course,
2: but people are concerned because we haven't done the other.
1: But I I don't, I don't think there's any
2: evidence to suggest that you know we're we're not trying to do that because obviously the Jamie Vardy thing was there. We were after Jamie Vardy. We went in with a bid. We triggered his release clause. We did all the things that you would do if you were really actively looking for. a top-class striker. I mean, those are words that I don't necessarily uh, apply to to Jamie Vardy, per se. Uh, I think that that, that could be a bit of a stretch. I mean, uh, but somebody who could add something to the first team this season. You know, we're there, we're trying to do it. That one didn't work. We've obviously um, set our sights elsewhere. Exactly where those are, I don't quite know. But I don't know why, when you do something like this, it's immediately written off in the context of something that's completely and utterly different and not necessarily relevant.
1: I agree with you. I agree with you. I think, uh, I mean, I guess Arsenal's detractors and people who get irritated the way the club behaves in the market would say, well, you know, the evidence is there. In the past, we've pursued Mm -hmm. young players like this, but not necessarily landed the big names we needed. Um, So, you know, there is some historical precedent that that justifies their frustration but I, I think you have to hope that the club know what they need to do and that they will do that nonetheless but it will take time when they lost out on Vardy effectively they had to start over again You know, they, had, they probably had to go back to their list of targets and yeah. begin pursuing other avenues because one imagines they didn't think it would come to this
2: Yeah, true, and I have to say maybe, I can't remember, I can't find the thing here but uh, it could have been Jeremy Wilson in the Telegraph in an article saying that Arsenal are still targeting a striker um, with Morata and Lacazette uh, on the agenda there, even though the the Lyon president has said that, like I said, is going to stay uh, in Lyon for another season. So maybe it's Morata. And if we bring in Morata, um, then I don't think anybody's got anything to, co- to complain about when it comes to, um, you know, this uh, this Japan guy. So,
1: um, yeah, I mean, there was an interesting quote from us uh, I think it was to French television. Uh, when he was asked about Lacazette, he said something about our, uh, clubs having four or five targets, generally, mm. in any position, having to to do the deal that's most feasible in the end. Yeah. Um, and clearly they felt that was Vardy. That hasn't proved to be the case. Now it's a question of investigating the other options and seeing which is which is plausible to pull off this summer. Yeah,
2: yeah. What do you make of the, 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 the stuff when people say, oh, we're only signing a player
1: like this to sell shirts? Well... Um, I understand a tiny bit of scepticism simply because um, the Asian players that we've signed previously at Arsenal haven't exactly been roaring successes. The Japanese internationals we've had, who have we had? We've had Junichi Namoto and Ryo Miachi and, and then, of course, Chu Young. But I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's it's difficult for me to believe that certainly that Arsene Wenger would be involved in signing purely for those reasons. Mm. Um, what do you make? I think it? it's like deeply patronising to the people of those
2: countries to think yeah, that sure. just because a player from there has signed uh, for Arsenal, that they're all just going to go out and buy shirts. Um, as our friend West Antone points out, that you can buy like ten shirts for a tenner in a lot of uh, Asian countries. Mm. So not all of the sh- all the shirts are coming through the official channels. The other thing as well is, like, imagine a Puma shop or a sports shop in Japan, and they sell an Arsenal shirt. Right? How much of that? Actually actually... Actually gets to Arsenal after the shop take their bit, Puma take the big bit, uh, taxes, all those kind of things. Uh, You know, what Arsenal make off a shirt. And I know uh, particularly with the maybe it could be the Chelsea deal or the Manchester United deal um, that basically they get nothing from shirt sales. That it's all in the sponsorship deal from Adidas or Umbro or Nike or whoever it is. That, okay, we'll give you X amount of money and you get like a pittance, a tiny amount uh, on actual shirt sales. You know, where Arsenal will make some shirt sales are shirts that are sold in the armory and online. That's where they'll make some money. But like uh, shirt sales in a faraway country or shirt sales that are being sold in sports shops and department stores in Japan. Like, we're not making any fucking money on that. When you spend £5 million on a player and then you've got to pay him some wages and all the other associated fees that go with that, it makes just absolutely no sense. I think it's, like, daft.
1: I, th- I agree with I mean, that's clearly the case. but And I feel uncomfortable with the suggestion that because this guy from Japan didn't do very well, this other guy from Japan <laughs> yeah, <laughs> will exactly. also not do very well. Um, the only sort of counterbalance to that is that I think the club, in recent years with their pre-season activity and their tours... Clearly, has has looked to raise their profile in Asia. Sure, if not raking money via shirt sales. Sure, and I suppose it's possible that I mean any signing from any country probably does something to boost your profile in that country. You of, know,
2: of course, but you can't make signings based on that. If that's why you're making signings, if you're making signings based on what's good for the marketing of the football club, then you know that's that's ludicrous. And I can't imagine. I just can't see how anybody would be able to go to Arsenal and say, sign this player. Because we might somehow benefit from advertising and marketing in you know x amount of time, especially if you know the player doesn't make it. It's not as if Inamoto did so brilliantly for Arsenal that uh, you know he he became a hero in Japan and we became the biggest supported club in Japan. Um, yeah. You know why aren't all the other clubs in the world going out and signing players from from this part of the world if that's if it has such a profound effect on on marketing? So I think it's just fucking lazy.
1: Well the other I'm thing about Nimoto is that he he wasn't uh he wasn't a bad player really. I mean he did yeah. actually end up doing okay in the World Cup and in the Premier League. Um the, the thing I think that's probably most likely that connects some of these signings is that Arsene Wenger, of course has worked in Japanese football mm. and has uh he's spoken quite publicly about his respect for uh, he talks a lot about the attitude in Japan of players and how much he admires it and the technical ability too so yeah. I, I wonder if that plays into the decision to, to scout that area and bring players in let's hope he fares better than Inamoto and yeah. Miichi because Miichi of course was very highly rated when he first came over and yeah really but I think, th- I think that was
2: a real like he he was out of school that's yeah. a real Miichi joined Arsenal from school basically uh, and they saw a guy who had some skill who could run very, very, very fast indeed and mm-hmm. decided, well, fuck it. We'll take a, a little gamble on him. Didn't work out. And, uh, you know, his career is, uh, well, he's now in the Bundesliga, isn't he? So yeah, he had, had like an injury. All oh, right. Yeah. Okay. He had a, had an injury as well. So, you know, it didn't work out. But, you know, again, I don't think there's anything to be, um, to be too concerned about, particularly in, in relation to what, whatever else we're going to do this summer. He was on Twitter, uh, uh, Takuma Asano, and uh, he said, this time we decided to completely move as Arsenal release came out. Until transfers, we still have games to. I want to do my best at 100% with respect to that before the street eyes until now.
1: Google Did Translate Google help you with that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a marvelous tool, isn't it? Uh, he, tell you what, he's reading a couple of Japanese journalists and watching the absolute solid gold evidence of YouTube clips. Yeah, he's not—he's not the slowest either. Takuma Asano. hes, a, he's very quick. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, look, I look forward to seeing how he does. We competing at the Olympics, we imagine in August. Yeah, we'll get to see him for the first time there. See
2: what kind of a see what kind of a guy he is. And uh, and uh, we'll take it from there. But in the meantime, there's a striker at the European Championships doing good things.
1: Ah, yes, that f- French guy. Yeah. He's rubbish, though, apparently. He is absolutely rubbish, but, you know, he's overachieving significantly in the European <laughs> Championships. Uh, it's just a brief purple patch. Let's hope he doesn't trick anyone into thinking he could be their first choice striker next season. Mm. No, he he um, he's he's played very well against Iceland. I thought um, two two great goals, yeah, and a brilliant assist. Yeah, he was excellent. He
2: was really really good. I mean, you know, we we spoke last week about how there weren't really any strikers or any players standing out. And over the last week or so, we've seen Olivier Giroud play very, very well. He did brilliantly against Ireland as well. He was very effective and played a big role in France's victory Mm. that day. Uh, Was great last night against Iceland. Uh, And Aaron Ramsey in midfield for Wales, like brilliant against Belgium. You know, if I know it's a hypothetical and I know it's probably a bit of a lazy thing. But, you know, if we saw those players doing well and they weren't Arsenal players, we'd be going, well, I'd have a bit of that. I'd have a bit of that blonde guy, and that handsome French guy, he looks like he could score a goal or two. So Definitely. maybe, maybe, as much as we all want things to improve, and we do, and we need a striker, and we've improved our midfield as well by bringing in Granite Granit Xhaka, Perhaps, perhaps there's a need sometimes to just step back and appreciate what we actually
1: have. Ah, what a nice thought. (laughs) I can't see it happening. I, uh, I agree with you. I think if we were watching Giroud, we'd be very impressed by him. I think we might still think, is he the right style of striker for the football we want to play? But he's undoubtedly playing very well. As for Ramsey, I think he's been outstanding. I mean, I imagine he'll be in contention to be in the team of the tournament because there haven't been many midfielders who've been more effective. I think he's got four assists across the course of the competition. Correct. Uh, which is the highest since one thousand nine hundred and eighty in a European championship, something like that right um, gutted for him that he misses the semi final mm. absolutely gutted
2: it 's very harsh isn 't it because two bookings in five games to miss a semi final is is really really harsh. Um, I suppose we talked about, or, or it was said that, you know, the booking should have been wiped out at the end of the group stages. Yeah. Uh, and he did get two bookings in two consecutive games. But I think when you step back at it and look at it, two bookings in five games, five very intense international tournament games to rule you out of... To rule you out of a semi-final, it's it's very very harsh, and you do obviously feel for him and and worry for Wales a bit as well, because as much as the focus is on Bale and people talk about Bale being you know an absolutely world-class player, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, I think Ramsey has been I think Ramsey has been Wales's most important player.
1: Well, I think probably the fact that there is that much focus on Bale liberates Ramsey a little bit mm. uh, and enables him to to influence games that bit more. Bale's actually, uh, you know, his major contributions in this tournament have been set pieces, really. Um, he scored two free kicks, and he has been a threat aside from that and given Wales an outlet on the break, but mm. he's no Hal robson Carnu. What about <laughs> him, the son of Carnu, Wow Finally delivering with that brilliant back heel. And Brian Robson. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Or Bobby well, Robson. He must be, having scored that goal. That yeah. was extraordinary. Was he's a on a free, if we need a striker.
2: And he, he used to be at the uh, Arsenal Academy, apparently.
1: I know. Don't always seem to go. But uh, yeah, he was, I think, until about fifteen, sixteen. then he was released. it has been at Reading yeah. pretty, much, pretty much ever since. Well, I mean, I
2: think he's, he's going to find himself a club very easily based on what he's done at the European Championships. Mm. I mean, that turn was absolutely brilliant. You know what it was like? It was like throwing a ball for a puppy and not yeah. releasing the ball. Yeah. And the puppy goes off running going, where's the ball? Where's the ball?
1: Three Belgian puppies. <laughs> Just, <laughs> Just wondering what on earth was going on. Yeah, it was
2: great. Um, Absolutely fantastic goal. Brilliant yeah. goal. And you know what? I loved the header, the Sam Vokes header. Brilliant. Uh, absolutely brilliant. You've got to love a, a fucking header that just like goes into the top corner, but it's all on the guy who, who made the header. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's very obvious, but the power he got on it, the, the, the trajectory he put on that ball, uh, to beat a, a goalkeeper as good as Courtois, fantastic. So
1: there are loads of strikers out there, we could sign. Mm, yes, Sam Vokes, Hal Robson-Canu, exactly. Olivier Giroud. Giroud a new deal. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but I mean,
2: just going back to Giroud, um, yeah. is there something to be said? And a number of people have asked this in the questions, but I didn't quite uh, pick up the question itself. But uh, with Griezmann playing off him, mm. like having a more mobile nippy guy zipping around Olivier Giroud, does that add a... Uh, an extra dimension to his game because we know what he is we know he's a center forward he's sort of a target man he's a guy who can link up play very well his flicks and tricks work but you know having that guy playing really close to him who can run off and who can make those runs and who you know like we saw with Griezmann last night you know that that could be could that be in Arsene Wenger's thinking when he comes to recruiting a, a striker.
1: Maybe. I mean, I have to say, I was really impressed by Griezmann. Uh, as good as he was, I thought he was excellent. Mm. His goal was, I love a little dinked finish like that. Yeah. Um, but I thought. Yeah, I mean, the more I watch him, the sadder I feel that he's out of our reach and staying at Atletico Madrid. Well, he has signed uh, a new deal, hasn't he? He has indeed. And it, what's great about him is that he he offers such a goal threat, but actually can play with Giroud. You know, you think he could probably play with or mm. with or without him, and uh, <laughs> he uh, he's been brilliant. So yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't anticipate Arsenal like changing the system dramatically. So do you mean potentially? I don't know, putting someone. Replacing Mesut Ozil in that number ten role, off Shiro or someone out wide? Yeah, I mean that's able.
2: that's the that's the big question, isn't it? That's what Arsene Wenger has to decide. I mean, how do you not harness the talent and, and uh, creativity of Mesut Ozil? Who got a good goal himself? Very good goal, uh, an unusually emphatic finish. Definitely. But
1: when it came to the penalty, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not quite as good. No, i mean amazing. I mean, I admire him that he still takes them. You know, even in a shootout situation, the pressure's on, but uh, it's not his. It's not his greatest skill, is it?
2: No, no. It's so unusual for a player of his technique uh, and the technical quality that he has to be that poor at, at penalties. Mm. However, however, he wasn't the poorest at penalties. When
1: I no, he <laughs> was not. Who was your who was your your least favourite penalty taker? Uh, Zaza. Simone is as yeah. What what about his little, his little, I don't want to call it a run up. I think that would be too kind, really. What was it? I don't know. It was like a little, I don't know what you would he call it. was like it. a hamster in a, in a treadmill, you know, just, I don't know. His legs were pumping away. Yeah. He pumped it too hard. He did. It was did, like yeah. a super soaker where he, he loaded it <laughs> up too much. It exploded. Yeah. It was ridiculous,
2: ridiculous. There were like for about four or five penalties. It was the worst penalty shootout I'd ever seen.
1: I think Pelé's penalty was particularly bad. That
2: oh, he told the goalkeeper he was going to do a Panenka, didn't he? Is that what happened? Yeah, he kind of did this because apparently he has a bit of a uh, bit of uh, bit of previous with Panenka's. So right. he he reckons uh, obviously Neuer has done his homework on him as a penalty taker, and he does the old "I'm going to dink it, mate." That's what I'm going to do. You watch, you watch, and then he fucking just put it
1: wide. Screwed it. Well, wide. What yeah. a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> um what who else was bad poor? I mean, there were some bad penalties. Yeah. Schweinsteiger always good to yeah. see him miss.
2: Muller missed as well.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah, so the quality tight.
2: of the players missing the penalties. Um was was really something, but uh, look, Germany got away with it. Messidels also got away with it. They're into the semi-final. They'll play France. That is going to be a game.
1: Yes, there was a game when the Spain uh, played Italy in the first knockout stage in France. They called it uh, the final too too early. But I feel like this is the the too early final. Really. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, what whichever of these sides comes through that semi, will be big favourites in the final, you imagine? Mm. I have a really bad feeling that Portugal are going to do it. Oh, really? What, go all the way? Yeah. Oh, I couldn't bear it. Mm. I couldn't bear to see how thick his neck would swell Mm. with a medal around it. I just have this feeling they've been scraping their way through games. You I mean, know, they, they are not very
2: good, are they? No, they're not. But then that's not necessarily the most important thing. Neither
1: were when Greece. When it comes no. to,
2: yeah, neither were Greece. You know, when it comes to knockout football, anything can happen that, you know, sometimes when there's just this little bit of momentum behind you, when, you know, they've reached the semifinals without having won a game in 90 minutes. You know, that's that, crazy. It is. And and who was it? Was it Poland? Went out without ever having been behind in a game. <laughs> so you know these are the, the the vagaries of of knockout football, of uh, tournament football. And I just have this bad feeling in my stomach that that Portugal could do it. I mean, do you think do you think that Wales can beat Portugal without Ramsey? They're also missing one of the defenders as well, isn't ben it? Davis ben Davis,
1: by, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, they've got some good players in the squad. I mean, it'll, it could be Andy King who comes in, who contributed at Leicester this season. Um, it's a big ask though. It's mm. a big ask. That said, I didn't think they'd, <laughs> I didn't think they'd beat Belgium, you know, so, uh, they could surprise me, but it will need something pretty special. As for France and Germany, I mean, do you have a favourite there? Do you think there's one side who looks stronger? Um, you would have said Germany probably until last night when France really yeah. dismantled Iceland. I think from an attacking point of view, France certainly look like the team with
2: the most goals in them in mm. this tournament. Um, you know, Giroud is scoring, Griezmann is scoring, Payet is scoring. Uh, they look dangerous. The the football they're playing from an attacking point of view, it's more clinical and more incisive than anybody else. Um, although, wow, what a fucking amazing save Buffon from Gomez. Uh, yeah. In that game, absolutely I so. brilliant. I love Buffon. He's fantastic. But yeah, I would have to say probably you would think France would have the edge over Germany from an attacking point of view. But we know what Germany are like in international tournaments. You know, you can't write them off in any way. So it's going to be going to be a fascinating one, that. Um and then, obviously, Portugal and Wales. And, you know, I really do hope Wales get through. It would be what an amazing thing for Wales to get to the, uh, to the final
1: of the European Championships. That would be... I mean, it's pretty amazing for them to get to the semi-final, but mm. if they could get to the final and Ramsey could have one more one more crack at it. Mm. Uh, that really would be something. And if, put, putting yeah. England to shame, of course. Of
2: course, of course. Um, yeah, we spoke last Monday, didn't we? Um, I was probably very
1: confident about the, their fortunes against Iceland.
2: Yeah, I think Powerful you said something. something along the lines of, there's literally no way that England can lose this game. Iceland are stuffed. They're going to go back to their volcanoes, crying into their desiccated shark juice.
1: I think that's what you said. Yeah, that, that, that sounds like a direct quote. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean what an extraordinary win that was. Amazing. Uh, I know from your point of view and for uh, from the point of view of many of uh, our listeners who are English, uh, they probably didn't enjoy it as much as the rest of us, but um god it was really really funny.
1: Oh, I mean even I certainly could see the uh see the funny side. I mean it was one of those where when Iceland went ahead, I was kind of finding it very funny and then the longer it went on, I realized that this was going to be the result and that mm. familiar sense of of doom and gloom that I've had a couple of times watching Arsenal in the past. You weren't really, yeah. You'd be surprised to hear. Oh, no. uh, began to sink in uh, <laughs> as I watched a group of talented individuals dramatically underachieve against a more organised and committed team. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So uh, yeah, it was it was a a disheartening but not entirely unfamiliar experience. But yeah, they were really bad. Yeah. really, really bad. And really bad. I have to say, really actually, bad. this might seem. Uh, a little churlish of me, but I was really surprised. Um, is that the right word? Maybe disappointed in Jack Wilshire, I mean, in his performances in the tournament looked so far from ready. One wonders. What Arsene Wenger saw in training and what he said to Roy Hodgson because he was absolutely miles away well, from I the mean, player uh, we
2: to seeing. Yeah, of course, but the, I don't know why anybody is surprised by that. I don't know why anybody would think that a guy who played 114 minutes of football last season yeah. is physically ready for the European Championships. There's no way that he should have gone. I don't think there's any way... I mean, I understand why Hartson wanted to take him because I think it had to do with playing... his decision to play Rooney as a central midfielder, as a sort of Mm. creative central midfielder, which ultimately he must have known that this was a bad idea. So the reason I think he took Wilshire was to have an alternative, somebody who could... Uh, slot into that role and perhaps pick a pass and be that little bit of uh, creativity or bring that bit of creativity to the midfield that you don't get from Eric Dyer. You don't get it from, you know, the hugely overrated Deli Alley, You don't get it from anyone else. So I think that's why he brought him because of the talent and potential that Wilshire has. Mm. But the reality of the situation was he didn't play until April. He was out for the entire season and to expect him to come in, uh, even if he was, okay, he couldn't have been match fit. Not possible, right? Yeah. The only thing that Jack Wilshire was going into this was uninjured. That's it. So yeah. he couldn't have been ready physically, couldn't have been ready mentally. He had no form to speak of because he'd played so little, no fluency in his game. We know that when players come back from injury, particularly a long injury absence, they need some time and they need games, you know, to, to find any, any measure of form. And so to, to see Wilshire thrown in and play poorly, which I think he did basically, should be of no surprise to anybody. I don't mm-hmm. know why Wilshire is the one being criticized necessarily because, you know, he wasn't the one that picked himself. He didn't pick the England squad. And frankly, it's, it's a part of, you know, the, the mess that Hodgson made of things. Yeah, what, I, I, what his alternatives like were? Yeah, what his alternatives were? I don't quite know. Could he have brought Danny Drinkwater? Is Danny Drinkwater a guy who could do what Jack Wilshere can do? No, they're different kind of players. Um, but you know, it's it's no surprise that Jack has struggled. I mean, I think from an Arsenal point of view, the only thing you can do is look at it as a kind of
1: early preseason for him. Yeah, it's useful minutes, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I think the reason he was picked is because Hodgson regards his skill set as relatively unique within the options he has. Um, and when you when you think, you know, when you talk about someone like Drinkwater, he is a very different player. You know, someone like James Milner, a very different player. Mm. Um, I think uh, my only surprise is that in the past, I think when Wilshere's come back, he's actually tended to come back. At first, with a little bit more of a bang, like what usually happens is that he he makes his return and you think play out, he looks good, then he goes into a bit of a dip. Areneger mm. often talks about that with players who return that there 's an initial we saw it slightly with Danny Welbeck last season there 's an initial burst, and then they sort of have to sit back a bit while they they adjust to regular football again yeah uh, but there was no there was no spike whatsoever with wilshire he looked i mean but he has been out an awful long time and this is a really important I mean how many times have we said this but this is about to be a really important pre-season for him. Yeah. Um because yeah he looks he looks a long way short of the player he was uh back when he was fit. Yeah, I mean the other thing as well is that he came
2: into an England team with no discernible system or fluidity or form either. Like England That's true. England's uh, overall performances throughout the tournament were really, really poor and you couldn't figure out exactly how it was they wanted to play. You know, he starts with Harry Kane up front, then he's playing Kane and Sturridge and he's throwing on Vardy and Rashford and it all seemed a bit like higgledy-piggledy. Oh, we need a goal, put on all the forwards that we have and Mm -hmm. that seemed to be the plan. So, from that point of view, for Wilshire to come into that side and to try and fit into whatever the hell the system was, it didn't look like the players knew. Uh, So, you know, it's understandable that that you know, it didn't go particularly well for him. But look, if if the minutes that he gets are beneficial to him um, in, in the build-up to our preseason, then, then all well and good because he's got a fight on his hands to get into the Arsenal team. You know, Jack has come in, Ramsey has been you know, one of the players of the tournament, uh, Elneny is there, uh, Cazorla's back, Coquelin will be there. You know, where does Wilshire exactly fit in? So first and foremost, he's got to stay fit and then he's got to really work hard to get himself back into the team. So, uh,
1: we'll see how it goes for him. It's a hell of a fight. It's Mm. a hell of a fight. So, yeah, it'll be interesting times indeed. Mm. All
2: right, anything else from the uh, last week or so?
1: Um, I'm just trying to think. Uh, Oh,
2: Mikel Arteta very quickly has gone to Manchester City
1: to be part of Pep Guardiola's coaching staff. Yeah, as we suspected he might. Oh, what about... um, Arsene Wenger in the England job. Did you give that story the time of day? Uh, yeah, I was asked to write something about that for ESPN, and I said,
2: right. "Really? Because I don't <laughs> think he'd be interested in doing that. I don't think
1: he'd be. I don't think he'd like that job. I mean, in the past, he suggested that he wouldn't be interested, in that he feels it should be an Englishman for hmm. start. He's on record a couple of times saying that. The only thing I thought. He he was asked about it. Was it a couple of days ago? And he he wasn't absolutely definitive. He said, "You know, I've got a contract for another year, and I don't know what I'll do then." Yeah, but well, um, you know, I think I but think he knows. maybe he's just being polite. Yeah. <laughs> I think he you don't. Know, I don't think there's
2: any way he would touch that job. Like I would do it because it pays three and a half million pounds a year. But if
1: you that's were not it, what, that's less than what he earns. Yeah, though, so.
2: exactly. If you were a football manager of some repute or standing. When you look at the the way that the England job has affected the managers that have done the job and they've come out of that, it's just it leaves an indelible stain on your career that nobody ever really recovers from. Mm. Go back through the managers, list them all and look at what their careers have done since. Now, with some of them, there's an element of age to it that they got to like the end of their heading towards the end of their career. So it doesn't matter too much, but you know, others, Steve McLaren, for example, has managed one premier league club since he lost the England job. And Did you see was, the, the that... clip of him watching the Iceland game. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was so funny. That was so funny. i might that
2: out at home if you haven't seen it. Yeah, so brilliant talking about it on, on Sky News. Um, very funny. But yeah, I don't see Arsene Wenger taking that job. As for Arteta, I think it's, br- I think it's a, a fantastic opportunity for him, having been grounded in Barcelona. Uh, that's where he, he was brought up as a footballer. He's had five years working under Arsene Wenger to see how he works and now to go work with, with Pep Guardiola. What a, what a brilliant education that is when you're moving into management
1: yeah certainly I saw Pep unveiled at Manchester City yesterday they made a big fuss over him but I guess you would I mean one of the real Mm. sort of superstars of of modern management yeah Um, and a a great opportunity for Arteta maybe he'll be England manager one day (laughs) (laughs) imagine that oh god I could actually yeah
2: (laughs) All right, we're going to take a break we're going to come back with your questions in part two right after this
1: Danny Pellegrino here with A Very Merry Iconic Podcast here to tell you about AMC Plus with Best Christmas Ever on AMC Plus. Every day feels like Christmas morning from new holiday favorites like Elf and one of my personal favorites, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. You can spend the holiday season opening up only the good stuff. Plus, you'll get a stocking stuff with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond, And you're also getting your favorite iconic Christmas movies without having to search. AMC Plus is available on all your devices. AMC Plus, only the good stuff.
0: This holiday season, treat yourself. Treat yourself to candy.
2: Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. This is part two where we answer the questions that you send us on Twitter at GunnerBlog and at ArsBlog and also on Facebook. If you want to check it out, it's facebook.com forward slash the ArsBlog. And there's a post on there where you can leave your uh, questions uh, for podcasts in the future. James, I'm going to go first. Go on then. All right. Just just sort of going back and touching on what we were talking about with regard with regard strikers. Uh, this one comes from David Russell at Gunner Down Under. Down Under. Not under, under, it's Mm. important. Uh, He says, do you two honestly believe Wenger will bring in a top striker or will it be another botched summer?
1: Well, we spoke earlier about what we mean by top class or top, you know what I mean? Mm. I I think uh, (laughs) I'm beginning to wonder if we might not get the level of striker that we expected or thought was possible. At the start of the outset of the summer. Okay, what do you mean by that exactly? <laughs> I mean that Asano is the man <laughs> and the checkbook is closed. No, I wonder if there might be a reallocation of resources effectively. I wonder if we might end up getting more of a, a top class wide player and more of a striker who operates more as a kind of, um, as Tim Stillman put it in his column for Ask Blog, a, a kind of Danny Welbeck replacement. Uh, someone who fills Welbeck's gap in the squad without necessarily taking us a leap forward in in striking terms, right? You know, someone in that kind of, I don't know, fifteen to twenty million pound bracket, rather than someone in that thirty to fifty million pound bracket. Not that price tags are necessarily an indication of quality. Mm-hmm. I just wonder if there are just so few names out there, and they're it's difficult to know who who it might be yeah. so i am slightly wondering if, if there might be a shift in how we try and solve this problem i hope not because i do think that a new centre forward of some quality would be great for the shape of the team and for the style of the team i just am slightly racking my brains now as to who that might be yeah Uh, What about yourself?
2: Well, I mean, I think we will sign forward players. Yeah. There's no question. Um, It's clear that we want one. It's clear that it's an issue um, of some urgency for the team, particularly when you think about it, if Giroud goes all the way in the final, let's say, Mm. you know, he's going to need some time off. When's the final? The 10th or the 12th or the The 11th of July? Yeah, the 10th of July. So he's going to need four weeks holidays. Arsene Wenger talks about a player needing four weeks holidays. That's the 10th of August. Or True. certainly into the first week of August, and then he's got to come back and do preseason and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so we can't let ourselves um, into a position where Giroud is still the number one striker. And I don't mean that in any way to denigrate Giroud. Uh, I think we all know that he's a he's a well. I think. He's a good player. I think he's going to score goals for us next season, and he's going to be an important player. But uh, it's clear that we also need to add some threat from elsewhere, so another striker, another wide man, wherever that might be. Uh, So I, I, I don't know who it's going to be, but I know that we are, yeah, I can't see a situation where we wouldn't make that kind of a signing. But who and when and how and for how much, you know, like you say, the names, the options out there are very limited. I mean, if you look at the European Championships, do you sign Lukaku based on what you've seen at the European Championships? Uh, well, if you, you were know. looking purely at that, probably not. No, of course. And you can't look purely at that in the same way that you wouldn't look. Uh, uh, people are, are concerned that because Yuru is playing really well in the European Championships, that means we won't sign a striker because, you know, he's he's proving everybody wrong. Uh, I I don't think that's the way it works either. Um, And I think Arsene Wenger knows that the team needs to be improved. The front three needs to be improved. Um, You know, we might not have Alexis for the start of the season based on the pictures of his grotesquely swollen and hideous-looking ankle. Ooh, looks terrible, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's pretty much deformed at this moment in time. And he's sitting there. uh, I noticed he uh, put up a tweet with a selfie stick. Um, and he's got his foot in a boot with ice and it's like a cryo boot or whatever the hell it is uh, that's trying to take all the, the swelling down. So, you know, we may have to look uh, at the start of the season without him being 100 percent, without Olivier Giroud getting the proper rest. So it's, I don't think with any great planning you can go into the season without making that signing. So I'm confident it will happen. But who that that's the million dollar question at this point.
1: It really is. And I, we're, we're sort of no close to knowing, really, are we? No. I mean, there were whispers about, well, not even whispers, <laughs> a few papers ran with the story about Lacazette. Um, but as you said, the Leon president. Seemingly saying no dice. I mean, mm. Whether he says no dice if someone turns up with a £40 million bid. Of course. Know.
2: Of course. That's the thing. I mean, look, there's an awful lot of posturing goes on. Um, whether Lacazette is the guy who's going to score us those goals, I don't quite know. Uh, but I'm sure Arsene Wenger has got
1: something something up his wizard's sleeve. We, uh, we've we asked Philippe Claire about Lacazette before on, mm. the, on the live Ask of Extra, and he was... He wasn't too complimentary, as I recall. No, he, was, he wasn't. He wasn't convinced that he was the guy to make the step up, was he? No. no. And, and, and the, the thing about, like I said, that I find interesting is, you know, he's young, he's French, he's playing in Liga. I always kind of feel if he was, if he was someone who Wenger really fancied, that it might have happened before now. Yeah. You know? But with options dwindling, maybe, maybe he'll come to the fore.
2: Well, this is it. Uh, and when we did speak to Philippe O'Clair about. um Lacazette, he mentioned another player. Yes, he did. Nabil Fakir. Mm. Um, I can't remember who he played for. Was it Marseille? No, he's also at, oh, uh, at uh, Lyon. Leon. Yeah. Right, OK. Um, who missed most of last season with a cruciate knee ligament injury. But Philippe seemed to think that this guy was a real talent. Somebody mm. who could perhaps take us to another level. And if we're looking for that kind of a player, you know, a Mahrez, a, a Perez. Robert Perez, uh, you know, to get us those goals and add that bit of creativity in wide areas. I wonder, is he somebody who we've got
1: an eye on? Well, you would imagine so. Mm. You would imagine so. I'll tell you what, a question on that basis. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know how, how realistic a prospect it is, but Neil Gogoy on Facebook asks Thoughts on Juan Mata for the wide attacking midfield role? No. Not for you? No.
2: No, I think he's a. I think he's a really good player, Juan Mata, mm-hmm. but I think he's probably a bit old now. What is he, 30?
1: I don't know if he's quite that old. He's
2: 28. 28. Uh, good player, creative, but, look, he's not the quickest. Mm-hmm. I don't think he gives you that kind of drive and penetration. Doesn't score that many goals. Um do we have players who can do what he does? I think we do. You know, between uh, Wilshere, Ramsey, Ozil, Santi Cazorla, I don't know that
1: he's the guy that we'd be looking for, to be perfectly honest. It looks as like if he's heading to Everton. I mean, that's a it feels like a big signing for Everton? Them. Really? Yeah. yeah. That's the big story. I mean, obviously, Mourinho's coming to United, he kicked Matar out of Chelsea. Um, and reports in mm. uh, British and Spanish press suggest... He could be the first kind of marquee signing of the the new era at Everton. That would be a big signing for them, wouldn't it? Yeah, it wouldn't Who's the oh Ronald Koeman? Yeah. yeah, Ronald Koeman. They've they brought a goalkeeper already, Stecker-Lumberg from Fulham, right? And uh, yeah, looking at Juan Mata now. I think so I,
2: uh, yeah, I I I think that this uh, this month when things really start moving and things are beginning to 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 build, aren't they, in terms of transfers? And there is almost always a a merry-go-round effect or a knock-on effect, domino, the, yeah, yeah, domino effect. That's what I'm looking for. Thank you. Um, that once players start moving, then clubs are looking for replacements, and the 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 transfer activity starts to build and build and build. And I think with the managers that are coming in, with Guardiola coming in, Mourinho, uh, Conte at uh, Chelsea, um, you know, uh, Klopp with his first season at Liverpool, Kuhn at a, a newly minted Everton, they've got mm. a lot, a lot of money to spend. You know, I think this month we're going to see a lot of. A lot of activity, a lot of money being spent and a lot of players moving because clubs in the Premier League have a huge amount of money these days. They've got massive money. Um, You look at uh, West Ham and Crystal Palace bidding... 40 million euros for the for the guy who went to Chelsea. That's why, yeah. That's why, yeah. So I mean, this is the kind of market that we're operating in where everybody has got a lot of money. So it's um it's going to be very interesting. So it's why I'm confident that we'll spend because we're going to have to. Um, Well, everyone else is
1: certainly going to. That seems to be the way it's shaping up.
2: That is exactly it. But on that, very, very uh, briefly, sort of tangentially moving towards this kind of a question, this one comes from Daniel Ahmed, uh, who's at Daniel Ahmed. And he says, do you think there's too much emphasis placed on the players and not enough on building a team mentality?
1: Well, I mean, the Euros has been quite interesting in that respect, hasn't it? Um, Certainly the, the sides that have been... Most impressive, and you'd say that would be teams like Iceland, Poland, Mm. Wales, are the ones who function best as a team. Um, I don't know though how. What do you think? What does he mean by team mentality? Well, I think he,
2: I think probably what he means is that people look at individuals and maybe transfer fees and 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 maybe what Leicester did last season. That Mm. um, yeah, of course they built a team with players. Uh, that they recruited and, and brought through a lot of guys, you know, people like Albrighton and Drinkwater, perhaps who who uh, hadn't done it elsewhere. Uh, you bring in people like Kante and Mares uh, for relatively small um, s- small amounts of money, but you build a you build a team, something that is greater than the sum of its parts. Because if you look at it from a you know an individual basis, if you were to put the two teams down on paper, Arsenal versus Leicester, indeed you put down the Leicester team against. The Manchester United squad, the Chelsea squad, the Man City squad, even the Liverpool squad—you would say pound for pound or player for player—you know they're 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 going to be outgunned by these big teams. But having created something a bit special, that there is, you can get more out of a, a group of players than perhaps the uh, the individuals. That's what I'm thinking.
1: Yeah, I think. I mean, that's certainly true because Arsenal, I think, are guilty of being. Less than the sum of their parts at times. Mm. Uh, so, if there was any way to <laughs> reverse that, uh, that would be brilliant. I think. I think what's interesting with the with the team this summer is that one of the problems last season, it was a problem we talked about on here quite a lot, is that there wasn't really a discernible style or uh, identity to the team, uh, and that can be fostered without new recruits potentially, um, and should be should be, and that's a big job for Arsene Wenger this summer. However, it may be that he feels he needs to move the team in a direction which requires the addition of certain individuals, mm. I- yeah. i.e., quick striker. But- well, yeah, I mean, there's also, I
2: mean, there's a lot to be said for, um, what's the word? I know that Ars to Mouse will go crazy when I use it. It's not consistency. Um you know when you kind of keep faith with stability stability yeah that could be it I, maybe that's not it but that that concept where you keep the core of the squad together and it grows and builds together you know there is something to continuity. be said continuity continuity exact yeah but there's also something to be said for maintaining a, a, a significant amount of that core and then adding extra things to it because it gets more out of the people that you're 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 keeping
1: you know yeah um, and and trimming some of the fat is never the worst thing you know I, yeah i always think of those that summer a couple of summers ago where we got rid of uh, a few of the the pranksters <laughs> in the squad the Abues of the world and you felt like the whole attitude around the club was a little markedly changed after mm. that point and i thought it was a positive step so That's something to consider as well, potentially. Mm. Um, Next question? Yeah, I just want to do this one uh, from Ian Wright at IH Wright, not the former Arsenal striker. I did like
2: this. He said, have we signed a Japanese player just to spite Vardy?
1: (laughs) Yeah, very possibly. That did occur to me. I think those signings may have been mutually exclusive. There you go. Uh, Sina Mostavavi on Facebook, um, and they've asked, uh, if you had to pick, I like this, if you had to pick one Arsenal player, to be cloned and play all 11 positions, who would it be? Oh, from the current squad? Yeah. Okay. So you want
2: somebody who's tall enough to be good
1: at centre back and in goal. And,
2: uh, yeah, and in goal, but not to too real tall. All-rounder. Not too tall. I suppose if you were to look at physically, you know, would, would Kosielny be that guy? He could be. Quite tall, he's fast, he's strong.
1: Yeah, he could certainly in would do it. most positions. Yeah.
2: Um, um, Jacka maybe as well, because he's got that nice physique. You could see him be a target man. He could be a rangy a rangy fullback,
1: he could play in central midfield. Yeah, what about Aaron Ramsey? Would you give him a... Any consideration? Yeah, I guess covers certainly covers a lot of the park. He's got the stamina
2: and everything else, and we've seen him play uh, in defence before. Um, Full back, uh, full back, yeah, yeah. That's. Uh, uh, Oh, I think I I
1: would go with Koscielny, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a little bit tempted by Danny Welbeck. I must say, actually, I think
2: oh, actually, yeah,
1: he could flourish in quite a number of positions. He's got that stamina, hasn't he? He's got that decent technique. Mm. I think Kashalny's a good shout, though. A team of Kashalny's, yeah, would yep. be uh, an interesting prospect. Yeah, I quite like. He likes like a that. goal as well. He can play up front.
2: Yeah, and he's good. I saw him do that. Like, uh, what's that one where you kick the ball from behind your feet or from one foot from behind the other?
1: Oh, the Rabona.
2: Yeah, seeing him do that, score mm. a goal like that in training or whatever it was, one of the members' days. He's got the, he's got the skills, the technique. So yeah, I think um I think a team of Kassyalnis, although there is the possibility, you know the way he has these moments. Just these little every so often he has this kind of crazy moment where you yes. could see all eleven Kasselnis collide at yeah. once, creating a Kassyalni. Eruption, uh, uh, an explosion
1: of uh... Well Also, they, they'd all want to do that thing where they get the ball and sort of charge up the field with it. Yeah. <laughs> so simultaneously, your whole defence of Koscielny's would just pour into the opposition half. Yeah, one behind the other like a snake. Yeah. <laughs> Be even more exposed to the mm. counter-attack than the current Arsenal team. Yeah. Um, but there you go. Yeah, I think Koscielny's a good shout. Mm. I'd, I'd, I'd probably consider Ramsey, but Ramsey... Ramsey's a bit too much of an individual, I think, at times. You know, I think as much as he's he's got a good work ethic, he he sort of he tries to pull off so much that I thought, yeah. think if you had eleven of those players, I don't know, you wouldn't you would, you'd struggle for keep ball. I think.
2: Yeah, but at least he would know where he was going to back flick it to. So that, you that's know.
1: true. So Imagine all the back heels. It wow. would, he
2: would just like eleven players back healing the ball up the pitch. Bamboozling the defences. It would be amazing. <laughs> Bamboozling their own team yeah, as well. All right. Uh, this one comes from Ramakrishnan, at Ramakrishnan21. He says, why aren't we going after Italian defenders, centre-backs from Serie A?
1: Interesting question. I don't really know. I mean, to be honest, there's not a great history of Italian defenders coming to the Premier League. Yeah. I can't think of too many who have uh, who have done it. Successfully. Um, maybe I'm being...
2: Well, on. I think you're forgetting. I think you're forgetting. That dude that played left-back for Liverpool.
1: Uh, Dossena. Yes. Andrea Dosena, And, of course, Matteo Damian, who started like a house on fire at Manchester United. Um, yeah, I can't. Gianluca Festa. Oh Yeah, he played for Middlesbrough, didn't he? Yes, he did indeed. Um, I don't know. They've got such a terrific reputation, haven't they? But Italians don't... They're a bit like the English. They don't travel massively. No, that's true. uh, In football terms. Yeah. I I couldn't speak more broadly. But, uh, yeah, maybe we should be looking at it. I mean, actually, I think I had a question. I'm going to answer a question with a question. Classic... uh, Classic James. Classic James tactic. But um, Gunner Outpost... um, Asked, do you think we're still in the market for a centre half? If we ever were, indeed, I suppose.
2: I think we, I think we might be, yeah, because um, certainly in that uh, Jeremy Wilson story, he says that we're after a, we're after a, a centre half. I would be surprised if we weren't going after a centre half. Mm. Um. So yeah, I don't, I don't quite know who it might be. I, I, we've mentioned the Bolton lad before. I, f- I feel like there's something going on there. Okay. Rob Holding. Now, whether he comes in, what happens to Callum Chambers, I don't quite know. Um, but we've got Mertesacker, we've got Gabrielle, we've got Koscielny, we've got Chambers. We could bring in this this lad, Holding. I, I Yeah, maybe, maybe. But I do wonder if the right, you know, big fuck-off, really established centre-half was out there. Uh, if we could find him, then I suspect that we would probably try and bring him in, yeah.
1: Yeah, okay. Well, mm. I'd like that. I'd like to see a, a new centre-half, potentially, mm. but it's just been ever so quiet, so I uh, I guess I've kind of, amidst all this striker talk, mm. kind of forgotten about that prospect.
2: All right, here's a um, a few quick-fire ones. Go on. Because uh, time is, is marching on, and I've, I've got places to go and people to see and, you know, stuff. Okay. So That's- here's one from Stefan Tellander. He right. says, how much does the pair of Ibra and Jose scare you? He says, I haven't been able to sleep since last Thursday.
1: Well, I think they are sort of nightmarish in their in their cuntiness, potentially, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, I can understand that. I actually think that Zlatan's going to do pretty well at United. Um, I, there's just something h- horrible about it that makes me think, yeah, I think he's going to do all right. Mm. What about you? Well, look, it's clear that Jose Mourinho is history's greatest monster. Sure.
2: And I know that we have many Swedish listeners, and they all probably love Zlatan. But Zlatan and Jose get on very well. And it's sort Mm. of like the enemy of my enemy, or the friend of my enemy, or I don't know what I'm saying. But basically, if Jose and Zlatan get on really well, it's probably because they share the same evil core. I think they do. So it's certainly frightening to think what kind of shit they're going to get up to. What Zlatan might do on the pitch is open, I think it's I think it's open to question. Now he scored a shitload of goals for PSG last season. Um, 50 odd, yeah. Just the 50 or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um but I do wonder if it might be more difficult for him in a more competitive league. I don't think he really did particularly well in the Champions League. Um, but yeah, I think he's going to have—I think he's going to have some kind of impact. Um, I hope it's horrendously destructive yeah, and, sure. and terrible, though. I hope that Inclosion would be good. I hope that by by fusing these two evil cores together, it's the sort of a polarizing effect, like the two ends of a magnet, and they start to push each other away and turn evil upon each other creating a vortex of evil that, that envelops Old Trafford and sees things go even worse than they did under David Moyes and Louis Van Gaal. So that's that, that's what I would That I would be back.
1: lovely. That would be lovely.
2: All right. Um. Here's one from Gary at gag5r. And he says, following Zaza's antics in the penalty shootout, what dance would you do or want to see in the run-up to a penalty kick? I'd
1: moonwalk up to it and backheel it into the top corner. Oh, that's pretty good. That's swish. <laughs> Funny well, wait, you should so. say
2: that, though, because I was Go thinking on. like uh, also along the Michael Jackson uh, road, where mm-hmm. you could start from the ha- ha- blah, 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 blah. you could start from the halfway line, yeah, and do that, um, do the one from Thriller, you know when it goes into the the sort of instrumental bit, goes, yeah, yeah, and then you just do that all the way up to the ball, and then just whoosh, smash it in. I'd like that.
1: I'd like that as well. Yeah, I think that'd be pretty impressive. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you've got a score. If you if you do a half half the pitch dance to Michael Jackson, would you have the music playing in the background as well? Yeah, that'd be amazing. You just
2: you just stand there on the center circle and you just put a hand up and finger in the air.
1: Cue it. Cue some music. Dun, if dun, each player dun, 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 had their own music dun, dun. for their penalty shootout oh. runner, <laughs> that'd be brilliant. And they had to select it. I'd love it—a It's sort of fusion of penalty shootouts and Strictly Come Dancing. Yeah, brilliant. I think we found the answer to our penalty
2: shootout uh, conversation from a few weeks back. This is exactly. what would make penalties the greatest thing on earth.
1: Everyone was so, you know, focused on goalkeepers dancing about on their line, they forgot to think about what p- dancing they should be doing in yeah. the run up.
2: Exactly. Exactly. All right, here's a, a final one for me anyway uh, from Super Ovi at Dove 2000. He says, "On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate each other's cooking ability?" Now I've never cooked for you, or you oh, know, are we cooked guessing? for me. Yeah. Okay. You think of a shall number. We, we, you, think of we, a, you think of a number that would rate your own cooking, and I'll think of a number that would rate mine, and then right. we can see
1: where we are. Okay. Okay. Right. I've I've thought of what yours is. I, okay. I don't really know what the scale is. I don't know what a ten is or what a one is. But ten I've got is going to be like
2: you know, cordon bleu chef.
1: I guess. Okay. Okay. Like top top chefer, okay. And I've got a number for you as well, right? How do we do this? Okay, well, I'm gonna
2: I'm gonna say yours is like four. Ooh,
1: generous! I gave myself a three. <laughs> not much of a cook. No, not much of a cook. At all. I eat, I eat out a lot, to be honest. Oh. I'm I'm on the move. I can cook, but I'm very very lazy. Right, and. That, you know, practice is vital with cooking. Yeah. I've got a few things I can cook well, but if you would stay with me for a protracted period of time, you'd be like, oh, I see the I see the rotation system coming into effect here. I, I remember this dish from four days ago. Right. Sandwich again, yeah. is it? Yes. Ah, toast again. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, I was not gonna the be, toast thing. <laughs> I was gonna, oh, God. I was going to be quite kind to you. I was going to say like an eight. I wouldn't say an eight. I would have said
2: seven. Because okay. yeah, I I like cooking a lot. It's kind of my um my
1: switch off thing. Right, okay. Like What is the best thing that you make? What is the best thing that I make? If you had to impress somebody, if if I was arriving for dinner and you really had to impress me. I had Arsene Wenger with me. Uh and we were going to have a big chat about transfer policy and you wanted him to be on side. Right. What would be the one f- meal you would cook. What
2: would be the one meal?
1: I mean, I'm giving myself away the fact that I think in terms of like one thing you can cook, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that shows you how limited I am, but I'm just trying to g- get to the hub of the heart of your cooking expertise.
2: Right. I like, uh, one of the things I like a lot is this, uh, I guess it's an Italian dish called cacio e pepe, which is basically just pasta and you sort of uh, cook it with two different kinds of cheese uh, like Gran mm-hmm. Padano and maybe Parmesan, and I can't remember the other cheese. I'm going to have to look it up here. Um, but yeah. it, it's, it's quite precise in that you need, to, you need to add the cheese at the right time. Pecorino is the other cheese. So it's just basically two cheeses and black pepper, and you've got to cook the pasta in a little, you know, uh add some of the water add the cheese in at the right time mix it all in and you've got to like do it in such a way that it doesn't become super dry uh, as it could right. just be so that's that's quite a precise uh dish and i like that a lot so uh, it tends to work out well most of the time i also make a a, a mean goulash Okay.
1: Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. I've, I've Googled cacio e pepe. Yeah. It looks, it,
2: it looks intriguing. It is. It's good. It's very, very delicious. Quite simple. Um, but you need the good cheese and you need to, it does take a little bit of practice uh, to get it. But uh, yeah, I, I recommend that one.
1: Lovely. Well, look, th- we've learned. So basically, you know what you're doing and yeah. I don't.
2: It's good, though. I mean, it applies takes across mind. a lot of
1: things.
2: <laughs> it does take your mind off stuff, though, I find cooking. Baking, actually, um, does that, too.
1: I like baking. I like baking. I'm, again, I'm not good at it. No, but I
2: do it, I'm uh, not great either. It. I still haven't, still haven't got my sourdough bread right, but hey, I've, I've given up on that for the time being. I'll come back to it with fresh eyes, you know, when you get, something isn't working and you go, oh, I've tried everything. And then you go away and you think of a solution um, when you take a bit of time away from it. So
1: that's it. Let's so yeah, Arsene is doing just that this summer.
2: <laughs> one final question, right? This one uh, I've got to find it here. It's on Twitter um, because we're going to have to do this. We've we've threatened it long enough. Uh, it comes from Big Ad Sleepy Man, and he says, "When are you when are you going to play FIFA? And can we pick your teams, please?" So when are we uh, going to play FIFA?
1: Because we have we're, to play FIFA. We'll so. have
2: to do it this month because, obviously, you're going to be away in August. That's correct. Doing your stuff in, uh, in, Edinburgh. in Edinburgh. So we've got, like, so when I get to back from holidays. Yeah, so yeah. maybe the... Not next week because I'm away, but the week after that we'll have f- to book it in. Yeah, we'll book it in. We'll live find an evening. On the internet. And I did get an email from somebody um, who said they'd help us, um, you know, do the Twitch or the broadcast thing. Um, he says he's uh, he runs a, a website, a gaming website, so he'd give us a hand with all of that. So that'll be good. So we'll do That's that. Deal. Yeah, but no, you can't pick the teams. I'm sorry, we get to pick our own teams. Yeah. Um, Fight it out, for yeah. it To be on. yes, exactly. Okay, so we'll do that at some point this month for sure. All right, that's a promise. That's a guarantee. All right. Well, look, we're going to leave it there. So there won't be an Arscast Cast Extra next week unless something remarkable happens. As I said, if something remarkable happens and it's worth talking about, we might do a a short truncated version. Because frankly, I you know I just need to not do stuff for a week. Uh, Oh, I think, yeah, well, well deserved. Yes. So we'll see. But look, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, I'll update you uh, as and when um, that is going to happen or not going to happen. I'm going to take, you know, some time off the whole Twitter thing. Tom's going to be here doing the blog. So, you know, people can, uh, people can uh, get it. If there's something there, I'll announce it. But if not, if you don't hear anything, there won't be one. So. There so we go. Assume, right. assume inactivity. Exactly, exactly. And if anything happens on top of that, it's a nice surprise. Mm. All right, um, that's it. Well, look, look, you have a good week, and I'll chat to you uh, Chat to you when I get back.
1: I will. I'll have a, I'll have a good two weeks. All I'll speak right. Speak to you then. Do it. Oh, yeah. Bye-bye. <laughs>